welcome to the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. The stories we tell ourselves and others shape the lives we lead. I'm your host, Dara Lise Lyons. Welcome to another episode of the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. I am so excited to talk to my guest today, Bobby Block. Um, uh, we do, we have done improv together in the past, and she is a Philadelphia improv icon. She's funny, she's real, she's deep, and I'm very excited to hear more about her personal and professional journey and about just what she does to take everyday people's stories and turn them into something different and something extraordinary. So one of the most uh, memorable or magical moments that I can recall with my company, Tongue and Groove, is that uh, we asked the audience to write on cards uh, answers to provocative questions. And for this particular show, we asked people, who are you? So people would write, you know, I'm a mom who doesn't like kids, or I'm a, you know, a painter who also works in accounting. Um, so people wrote down who they were, and then we used those cards to inspire our improvisation. So we reach into the basket, one of the actors reaches into the basket and reads the card, and it says, I am a dreamer. And then the other actor on stage at that moment reaches into the basket and pulls out a card and she looks at it and she goes, I am a dream maker. And everybody just was like, what? How did that happen? And so that was it. We didn't even do a scene. We just left it at that, reading these two cards from the audience. And we're like, oh, wasn't that cool that we just happened to get I'm a dreamer and I'm a dream maker? So that was great and then we end the show. And after the show, we're talking about things and we're meeting some folks from the audience and we met these friends of mine who are a couple. And I said, wasn't that a cool moment when we got those two weird cards? And the woman says, yeah, actually that was mine. I'm a dreamer. And her husband looks at her and he goes, that was my card. I'm a dream maker. So we actually picked the couple's cards in the show and they didn't know that they had written those cards and we brought it to life in front of them. And it was just a really cool magical moment that didn't even really have to do with us improvising anything. It was just a beautiful way of people connecting, which is what Tongue and Groove is all about. I found that story so moving about the couple, you know, just having this shared commonality that they weren't even aware of. And if you, if one of the things that you love are moving stories, one of our show sponsors, Loving Healing Press, has generously offered a 15% off discount to any viewers or listeners of the Transformational Storyteller podcast on any of their books or uh, products, their audiobooks. Um, and to take advantage of that discount, just go to www.lhpress.com and enter the coupon code DARALEASE for 15% off at checkout. That's www.lhpress.com and the coupon code D-A-R-A-L-Y-S-E. 
Bobby, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really, really grateful. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, and so I love the story that you told about that couple having that shared moment and that commonality. And I want to tell people a little bit, because if people haven't seen Tongue and Groove, which is your improv company, like talk a little bit more about that particular format of improv. Great. Uh, so Tongue and Groove is a combination of comic and dramatic improvisation. So what we're really trying to capture is real relationships, real people, real experiences, and reflect that on stage. So, you know, real life is really funny, and real life is not so funny sometimes. So we just go wherever it takes us. So a show, uh, a, a Tongue and Groove show could be like, 80% laughs with like 20% sweetness or like, you know, a gasp or a, oh, wow, that's intense, you know, something like that. So there's a mix of tone. Uh, the other thing about Tongue and Groove is that we get a lot of information from the audience, which is a little different than what an audience might be um, used to in typical improv, yeah. right? So, I mean, obviously you do. Yes, you yes. You do comedy sports and you've done, have you done long form as well? Yeah, 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 I, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know that like most of the time you'll get one suggestion and you'll sort of riff off of that suggestion. And what we do at Tongue and Groove is we take uh, as many suggestions from the audience as possible and try to riff off of all of it. And the suggestions are about the audience's personal life. And what we're asking is uh, anything from like, tell us a secret that you keep, or what's uh, something you wanna do before you die, or what's a decision that you're struggling with. Um, or we, we did one about food, like what's a great food memory that you have, right? So anything that's personal, and then they write it down on cards anonymously, so they feel safe and comfortable doing that throw it in the basket, and then we pick as many of them as we can throughout a show. And then we use them to riff off of and, and inspire our improvisation. And one of the things that I love about that, because I actually had you all come and do a performance once where we were talking about sex and sexuality and intimacy. Yeah. Like People will really tell you some things that they might not tell anyone, and then we'll see that reflected on stage. So how do you kind of... How do you find that people are able to be so vulnerable in such a public setting? What a great question. I love that question. Uh, it's something that we've discovered along the way. We were surprised at that as well. You know, it started with our original show, Secrets. And, you know, we were asking people, just tell, tell us a secret that you're keeping. And we thought that we'd get some, some interesting secrets. But we got some really heavy-duty secrets, you know, some standout secrets that I remember are um, uh, I'm uh, my husband is Jewish and I had our children secretly baptized oh I know <laughs> um, or you know uh, things about gender you know I was born this gender and nobody knows or um, uh, you know I don't know a, a bunch of different really deep things and we try to honor those secrets and take good care of them in our show. And I think people like the idea of the anonymity and the safety. And what we're about is connecting, right? And as you know, like yes, you're advocating, yes. like through storytelling and sh just sharing and being vulnerable, 
people feel more likely to share more, right? Well, yeah, and it's so interesting because there is that anonymity because people are, you know, they write their secrets on a slip of paper, but there's also like this recognition and this visibility that happens because they're then in the audience seeing you portray something that is somehow connected to their life, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so it's about being seen and heard as well because what we are trying to take their lives and make it into or let it inspire a little piece of art, right? So we're, we're doing a little scene that was inspired by you. We're, and what we do is we don't take exactly what's written on the card and act it out. Yeah. We take it and we let it spark our own creativity. So they're like our partners in being a co-artist with us, yeah. right? So you're the inspiration and now we're gonna make something of it. It's not like we're telling your story because we could never tell their story. They're just giving us a little blurb from it. Yeah. So that's what I like about it. it. I really feel like we're collaborators in the art making. Yeah, well, and I want to talk a little bit about how, because you'd been doing improv in other scenarios and other settings leading up to this format. So what was the inspiration for you in mm. creating Tongue and Groove and this particular way of being inspired? Yeah. So I've done a lot of different kinds of improv. Um, uh, I started out with comedy sports, which you are in. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, comedy sports is short form improv, which is games, and it's all wacky and fun and silly and big imagination, lots of yeah. energy. Uh, and then I also did something called playback theater. Do, are you familiar with playback? Uh, no, and even if I were, I would tell you to tell us about yes, it. Yes, of so, course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think you should be familiar with playback. Okay. I think you'd really dig it. Yeah. Um, so playback is an international art form. Uh, that takes people's stories, their whole stories, and plays them back to the audience using theater, but also movement and music. So there's an improvisational musician, and then there's usually people who are either dancers or into movement. So I was part of a playback group in Philadelphia. Okay. And that's where I really, really got into this idea of taking people's stories and it was just such a, it's a very moving art form. Mm -hmm. So it really feels like you're, you're just giving a gift to the audience by playing back their story. So I did comedy sports, I did playback, and then I did long form improv, and I was with a company called Lunch Lady Doris okay. for yes. 12 years. And Lunch Lady Doris did, you know, ridiculous, surreal, funny, mm -hmm. long form improv, long scenes, right? Yes. So basically I took comedy sports, playback, and Lunch Lady Doris, and combined that with my acting, right? So I have a degree in theater, so I've done scripted acting. So I put all that together, and then I was also, there's one last piece, I was inspired by um, TJ and Dave. Do you know TJ no, and Dave? Uh -huh. Well, I'll explain to you and your audience. Yeah. So TJ and Dave, are basically like the world's best improvisers. Okay. Um, you can look them up anywhere. They're based in Chicago. Uh, they're both actors. They, they, they've been on television and all kinds of stuff. Um, but uh, they do a play, like a one-hour play, just the two of them, and they play all the roles. And they, um, they, don't, they actually don't get any suggestion from the audience. Really? Their tagline is, trust us, this is all made up. 
Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. So I was inspired by them because they also don't care if it's funny or serious. They do a mix of both. Mm. So take all of that and go back 13 or 14 years. And I felt like, you know, I want to do something that isn't all wacky and surreal. Mm. I want to do something that takes improv and elevates the art form and really makes it like a piece of theater yes. um, that has the integrity of something that is scripted. You know, it has like a dramatic arc and it just hangs together well, like with a playwright's real, you know, mm. firm grasp on playwriting and acting. Yeah. You really have to be a good actor. And we don't shy away from, you know, physical, like kissing and pushing each other around on stage or whatever. Like everything that is like in a scripted play, but it's not scripted. So it has that tension of like, oh my God, they're making this up. I can't believe it. So I wanted to do all of that and then also get a lot of information from the audience because of the playback thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so I took all of that, like, you know, I keep counting how many different influences I had, and I was like, that's the kind of theater I want to do. Yeah. So I cast actors who could improvise and improvisers who could act, yes. yeah. and we worked for almost a year on creating this format and this style, yeah. like this particular style of how to improvise. And then Tongue and Groove was born. Wow. And how, what was the inspiration for the name? Ah, so the name is, I, I love this story because we worked for three months to find a name. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yep. And we have like email threads of different names going back and forth and like we'd write them on a piece of paper and put them in a pile. We really wanted the best name. We wanted the name to indicate being connected um, and uh, we also wanted the name to indicate being vulnerable and open. So for a while, we had the word naked in there. Okay. Um, so it, the, it came down to, we were playing with the, um, uh, the name Naked Web. Okay. Naked yeah. Web was yeah. possibly going to be our name. Um, and then I said, what's something that makes things connect, like in a very strong but seamless way? And then somebody said, well, when you put floorboards together, they fit together like that, and it's called tongue and groove. So literally, like, like wooden floorboards fit together like that, tongue, tongue in a groove. And I was like, yeah. And we all kind of liked it. It sounded a little groovy and yeah. like musical in a way, but it also sounded like a little sexy. Yes. Yeah, and like, it definitely means seamlessly connected. So Naked Web was out, thank God. I know, because, yeah, that yeah, would have been a whole different no, crowd would have been coming thing. to your shows. Right, no, Tongue and Groove was it, and I, I love our name, I really do. Like, we put a lot of work into it, and we, you know, we're going on 13 years together, and the, the name it's yeah, a good the one name to live with endured. for 13 yeah, years. Just, right. Well, and so you, you keep saying we, right? I yeah. mean, and improv is very collaborative. It's very, you know, dynamic in that way and who you're improvising with matters. Who is still, are, are you still primarily the same original cast or no. has that shifted over the years? Yeah, so it, it, yes, you're absolutely right. Improv is totally collaborative. It is not a solo sport. Right. Yeah. It's um, uh, I mean, it's no uh, mistake that comedy sports uses this 
um, format of sports yes. to present improvisation because I really do think it's like a team sport versus an individual sport. Mm -hmm. You really rely on your teammates. So with Tongue and Groove, we started with um, 10 people in Tongue and Groove. And over the years, different people had to leave. I mean, they had whatever, yeah, lives. Life and, happens. Right, yeah. they moved or they whatever. And, uh, and then I'd have to replace people. So now we have 12 people, uh, and only one of them is the original. Yeah, it's sad that only in one addition of the to you. In addition to me, addition like me to, and yeah. one other person are, are the original members. Wow. Yeah, but we did on our tenth anniversary, we had a reunion show, and all of the members except one were able to get together for our reunion show, including a member whose name is Adam Gertler. Yeah, and he lives in L.A. And he is uh, on the Food Network. He does a lot of work on the Food Network. Yeah. We went from improvising with Tongue and Groove to going to Who's the Net Next Food Network Star? Do you know that show? I, no, but it's, it's yeah. like a reality show of like competing to be okay. the next Food yeah, Network star. Yeah. And he got really far in that reality show, and they basically offered him a TV show. Oh, and so then, like, so he was cool. like, hey, Bobby, I can't be in Tongue and Groove anymore. I'm moving to L.A. tomorrow. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, that yeah. was that. Anyway, but, but as soon as Adam heard that we were doing an anniversary show, he's like, I'm on a plane. I'm there. Oh, so it was really so lovely cool. to improvise with the original group. Yeah. I love my group. I love every yes, member who's been yes, in Tongue yes. and Groove. But, you know, we really formed something together, and it was really great. Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, you're talking about, like, the intimate power, the power of those intimate relationships and connections. And I wonder if the format that you use to do improv, if that informs some of the closeness. Because you're not, like, you're not going for laughs. You're going for depth, and right. laughs happen, but that's not the thrust. Exactly. Uh, yes, absolutely. So one of the things that we do at, before every rehearsal or part of every rehearsal is we do something called an emotional check-in where we go around and we tell each other how we're feeling. Um, so, and we're not allowed to interrupt. We just let the person talk for a minute or two minutes. So we go around and we do that and then we use what we learned about each other in our work. So, you know, if somebody's going through I don't know, a relationship breakup. There seem to be a lot of relationship breakup scenes that will happen at rehearsal yeah. that night. Um, or if somebody is going through something at their job. or some, some, It's not all bad things, like happy, wonderful things. It's used in the show. So um, my style of, of improv, which I call actor's improv, mm -hmm. uses a typical acting skill, which is to go into yourself and use your own truths and your own stories to inform your art. So a lot of writers, you're writers, so, yes. you know, so yeah. you know, they're, you're, they're told write what you know, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. some writers are researchers and they'll research and write about that, but other writers write what they know. Yeah. So I teach improv what you know, like specifics. Use real names of real people and real places and real things in your life and real things that have happened to you and sort of blend fact and fiction, fact and fiction mm. as you're improvising, but always the well is in here, yes, like take yes, from here, yes. take from your partner, right? right, right whatever yeah. your partner's giving mm -hmm. you. And then if you're in an ensemble, basically whatever my ensemble says in an emotional check-in is like 
fodder for us to use in a scene. It's like safe for us to use to inspire our work. And then of course when we get in front of the audience, we're using their life to inspire it. I love that warm-up though because I feel like it is, I mean it really is a microcosm of the macrocosm because that's what you do with your audience. It's like you are taking people's real check-ins exactly. and then reflecting them um, with, yeah, a, a level of safety and tenderness because yes. someone's not going to want to share like, hey, I'm going through a breakup and then have everybody sort of like poke fun at that. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. And we work hard to make sure we don't do that. Um, and one year, two, well, it was just last two fringes ago, Fringe Festival, we yeah. performed at the Fringe Festival. Um, we decided, hey, one question we haven't asked our audience yet is, how are you feeling? Because we check in every single week with how are you feeling? And so we did a show called Feel, and we asked the audience, how are you feeling? Uh, did people have a wider range of emotions than just mad, glad, sad, and frat? I love that you asked that because we thought that they would have trouble because people are not used to actually talking about their feelings. Yeah. So we gave them a cheat sheet. Oh. So we put in the program a bunch of emotion words. And we said, feel free to use any of these emotion words or any emotion word that you want. Because I went, so I teach improv at Temple University mm -hmm. and Drexel University. Yep. And I teach them emotional check-ins. Because I teach them, I teach them short form, fun, wacky stuff. And then we move into the, the deeper stuff. And uh, I found early on that I had to give them a cheat sheet of emotion sheets because they didn't know how to say anything but mad, sad, glad. Yeah. Frad. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, which is so startling to me. I feel like one of the things that improv has unlocked from both improv and acting have unlocked for me is a wider range of like, a, I guess more access to my own vulnerability. Mm. And so I find that I have more access to sadness and, and loneliness and all, you know, all the stuff that is labeled negative emotions, but also that has opened me up so much more to laughter and joy. And do you find? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the joy of being an actor, right? I mean, we, it's like, it's, it's sort of on the surface, like we can grab it quickly, but it's something you have to practice, right? Actors, they're practicing their skill. And yes. one skill that they have is being able to tap into what their intention is, what their emotion is, all of those good things. And other people who aren't practicing being actors, they need to sort of stir the pot, yeah. you know, like get the emotions mm -hmm. stirred yep. so that they can be available to talk about or use in their, in their everyday life or in, if they're studying improv, how to use it in improv. Well, so Bobby, for you, what was the inspiration? And it might be, you might have two different answers, but I wanted to ask the inspiration for you to get into acting and then to get into improv. And again, you know, again it might have been the same entry point, but I'm curious. So acting, I have no idea what inspired me. It was just always there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just always performed, you know, and grade school and middle school and high school and all that. After high school, I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's good. Now you're a grown up. Now, now you're not going to act anymore. You're going to be serious. And then I went to college and I auditioned for a play and that was the end of that. <laughs> and then after college, I was like, all right, and then leave that, you know, you got to get a job. And then I was like, I can't do that. So then I went to grad school and I acted in grad school. It's just sort of, that is sort of innate. Improv, never studied it in undergrad or grad school. 
Okay. Wow. Because a lot of um, universities don't teach improvisation, which makes me crazy. So uh, for those who are unfamiliar, you can get a theater degree and you'll take voice lessons and you'll take movement lessons mm -hmm. and you'll do all kinds of things to work on all of your, your um, skill sets. But improvisation is for many university programs is not part of a core curriculum. Which is ridiculous to me because when you're acting, especially if you're acting on stage, if you forget a line or if you like lose a moment or... A, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, that's... It's crazy. Wow. And not yeah. only that, it's, it's the one form that teaches you how to be present, right? So improv is about listening. Improv is about listening. So when I teach improv, it's about... What did, what did she just say? Not, what should I say next? What should I say next? Everybody think that's the myth of improv. They think that all improvisers have like this giant storehouse of amazing ideas and all they need to do is like open up a drawer in their brain and it'll come right out, right? So it's not about what clever, awesome thing should I say. It's about what did she just say and how can I build on it, Yeah. right? Yeah. So that's yes and, which, Again, for those who don't know, yes and is the building blocks of improvisation. Say yes, I accept your offer, and say and, and I'm gonna give you something, I'm gonna build on it. Yes. So anyway, back to your, your question, I never studied improv. I saw a little tiny ad on the back of this Philadelphia city paper, okay. which is rest in peace, no more. <laughs> um, and the little tiny ad was, auditions for comedy sports. And I was like, okay, um, I'm an actor. I'm gonna audition for whatever. And I was scared of improv, but I was like, oh, I can do that. So I auditioned for it and I got in and comedy sports is a national chain. Yes. So a guy from Washington had come up to Philly to start a new one. So that's, so I, so I was in that. And then that guy had no idea how to run a business. So he ran the business into the ground in about six months. And then a bunch of us were like, we're, this was too much fun to yeah. stop doing. Like, I yeah. want to do this more. So four of us, like three of my friends from, from college, happened to get into the group together. Uh, we decided to re-found the company. And, and then 27 years later, wow. <laughs> it's still running. I didn't actually know that story. And I'm a yeah. member of Comedy Sports, but I, I love I love that. Yeah. So if not for that random little ad, ad in that paper. That's you, right. Yeah. And I, I learned everything about improv games on the job with comedy sports. Mm. Then when I started getting like more thirsty for it and it you know, turned something on in me that I really liked, uh, then I went to Chicago for a summer. And Chicago is sort of the... Um, like the know, mecca of improv. The mecca, great. Yes. I was looking yes. for the right word. Um, so I went to Chicago for a summer, and I took classes at I.O., which is called Improv Olympic I.O., mm -hmm. the Annoyance Theater, and Second City. And those are like the three big schools. Yes. And I just ran around into classes, 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 and then I felt like I had educated myself. And then I would go to New York and take classes. So I felt like I just continued to educate myself for a while and then just integrated into my own skills. 
Well, and interestingly, so, you know, having both a background in acting and a background in, in improv, a more recent background in improv, but would you say, do you feel like they require different skill sets or like, or do they tap into different things within you? No, I think that the best actors are good improvisers and the best improvisers are good actors. <laughs> I really think that um, it used to be so separate. I mean, really separate. And I think lately it's been, there have been more overlap. Um, I think improvisers are more brave to try acting and scripted actors are less brave to try improv. Yeah. Like I worked with a bunch of scripted actors um, for a project a long time ago called Leap. Okay. Uh, and it was basically taking like some of the best uh, scripted actors in Philadelphia and teaching them improv skills and putting on a show. And um, a lot of the actors that I talked to were like, yeah, no, I can't, I, I, I need my script. I couldn't possibly do that. Wow. They were scared of it. See, that's funny. I'm the reverse because after I've done acting for a, a while and then I you know, took some time off to do improv and now I'm doing some more acting, I really, I miss when I have a script, I'm like, oh, but you mean I have to say these words? I can't make stuff up. I can't just do what I well, want. Well, because you're a writer also. Yeah, so you right. like that idea. So uh, improvisers are actors, writers, and directors all in one. Yes, yes. And you need skill sets in all of that. And as far as these scripted actors, all they need to do is be a little vulnerable and put themselves back in beginner's mind. Mm -hmm and build up a few skills, and then they'll be good improvisers. Like, anybody can learn the skills of improv. They're, you know, they just need to be willing to sort of take a step back a little bit. Well, and that's interesting, you know, when you talk about beginner's mind, and that's a yoga concept, it's a yeah. mindfulness concept, it comes from a lot of different things, but I wonder, you know, as someone who has years of experience in the field, like, what, how do you bring beginner's mind to something that you've done over uh, and over again? <laughs> wow, you ask good questions. That is a great question. I try to challenge myself to do different improv things, um, but I must say that there's been a, a there's a period of time in the past I don't know five years or so where I feel like, wow, I'm just I'm just comfortable. I'm like super super comfortable, and maybe I should shake that up a bit, mm. right? So like. I used to do rap improv, right? Yeah, yeah. And I haven't done it in a really long time, so I took this improv rap um, workshop, actually with Freestyle Love Supreme. Do you know yes, Freestyle yes, Love yes, Supreme? Yes, 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 yes. yes. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yes, well, yes. I didn't take it with yeah, him, but, but yeah. I, took, I took improv rap with Freestyle Love Supreme, wow. which was awesome. And it turned something on in me again, like, oh, yes, this is challenging for me. I don't feel so comfortable. Yeah. And that was really good for me to learn how to do that. And then just the other night in Tongue and Groove, I was like, hey, let's just try to improvise for 30 minutes straight without being episodic, because what we do is like four-minute scenes and then another four-minute yeah. scene and then another four-minute scene. Um, and, uh, and we don't do like a, like a book show. That's something I've actually never done. Wow. So I wanted to try that because that's, because I want to shake it up a bit. I want to be in beginner's mind yeah. about this art form. Well, and it, that's an interesting dichotomy, whether it's in improv or in life, right? Like I think sometimes 
we do get in these comfort zones and it feels safe and it feels good, but then there's that sense of like, oh, but something is missing. missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so how do you get yourself, and I think this is interesting for people to apply to their own lives, like sometimes, com I, I one time I had a therapist tell me that good is the enemy of great. Like, and yeah, so how I do you- Yeah, I love that phrase. Right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love that phrase. So like, how do you get yourself to reach for great when you're, when it's already really good? I don't know, does that ever come up for you? Hmm. Well, it's improv, so every single show is different. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. It's like, you know, we'll do, say, 10 shows, you know, same performers, same rehearsal process, same everything. And, you know, one of those shows might not be so good. Mm -hmm. And I'll be super disappointed. And then I have to remember, it's improv. Every time you go out there, it's new. And so I, I don't feel yet that good is the enemy of great for improv. Yeah. I think it could be the enemy of great for things that are set in life. Yes, <laughs> but in improv, yes, yes. it's never set. So, um, so I, I suppose having that like every so often a pretty crappy show, um, not really crappy. Wouldn't want our audience no, no, no. to think that <laughs> anything that we do is crappy. Uh, but you know, something that isn't as satisfying to me as I yes. feel like we could have done. Um, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. You know, because it keeps you moving towards great and not satisfied with good. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that improv has given me in my life is like this willingness to this willingness to yes and life, like this willingness mm. to when opportunities are presented or when things come my way that might be unexpected or when I do feel like I'm stuck in a rut to be able to say like, huh, like let me, let me heighten this in some way. Let me yeah. reach for something unfamiliar. And do you find that? in your life well, well I was just gonna ask you, do yeah, you go ahead, so, yeah. but did you not do that before studying improv do you feel like it really was like a before improv I was this kind of person and after improv I was that kind of person so that's an that's an interesting question um I feel like for me um if I if I weren't the kind of person who took risks I never would have done improv in the first place there you go so I had that in me like ultimately, but I'm also a very type A, very controlling, like sort of like a meticulous, like I'm gonna get things done in the way I want them to be done kind right. of person. Right. So I think improv gave me a little more access to my fun, spontaneous, experimental side. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it, like I learned a lot from improv and it brought out more of those qualities in me that were already there. Um, so it, like, it's this interesting dance, I think, for yeah. me. What about for you? Okay, so I resonate with that a lot. Um, I call myself a recovering control freak. <laughs> I'm not recovering yet, but uh, okay. <laughs> I am, I'm okay. totally recovering. Okay. Uh, I feel like I was very rigid, Yeah. very like, you know, I like to get like that, that thing that you just did, I did that too. Um, I really feel like studying improv for 20 whatever years has totally affected me. I mean, I can't point to, there's a couple things that, that I could point to maybe in therapy or a book mm, that I read yeah. that had the effect, 
but when you're improvising, it's a practice. It's like yoga or, or playing basketball. Like it's yeah. like it's anything yeah. you have to practice. So every time I practice doing improv, I'm practicing being more flexible, being a better listener, being less controlling. You know, I, I, when I started improvising, I mean, I was probably already 10 years into it. I still consider that starting improvisation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got some coaching from um, a guy named Mick Napier. Do you know who Mick Napier mm -mm, is? No. He is um, a big guru in, in Chicago, and he directed a lot of Second City shows, and he founded the Annoyance Theater. Anyway, so he has this way of like diagnosing everybody's improv issue, and basically he looked at me and he goes, you gotta stop talking. Yeah, shut up. And I was kind of floored, but exactly, that was exactly the right thing to tell me because I would talk a lot in an improv scene because I would be trying to fix it and make it go the right way. Mm. And that was the best advice that he ever gave me, and that's good advice for me in life, too, because I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I can talk a lot. Um, Which is so, great for this. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. you know, so just like, just stop talking mm. and let things happen and trust in the process. You don't have, you, you're not alone up there. You don't have to guide everything. I love that. Yeah, it was really good. You know, I feel like that's a really good segue into, I had wanted to ask you a question about applied improv. Yeah, and I think you just talked about it a little bit, yes. but I want you to kind of talk a little bit more about what that is and how you do cool. that work. Um, thanks for the segue. Yeah. <laughs> such a good interviewer. Um, Yes, so applied improvisation is uh, taking the skills of the improviser and applying them to anything off stage, anything. So um, when I do applied improv programs, which I do basically for my living, that's how yeah. I make money, um, I go into corporations or any kind of organization, nonprofits or any, any group, um, and I teach listening skills, the ability to recover when you make a mistake, uh, the ability to truly collaborate and not just pay lip service to collaboration, but like really let go of your agenda and build on what the other person is giving you. Um, I teach leadership skills, I teach team skills. I mean, there's so many skills that you can glean from improv exercises and the art of improvisation. So I take those skills and I'll go into an organization and I'll play an improv game with a lot of intention behind it, right? And then I'll say, okay, what skills did it take for you to play that game well? And they'll say, you know, I really had to listen. I never listened so much. I really had to commit to my choice. I couldn't be wishy-washy about it. Um, and then we'll start talking, all right, how can you apply that to having a better work relationship? or being more productive at work, or being a better listener, a better boss, or a better teammate at work. Um, and then we really just get into a debrief using an improv exercise and apply what they just experienced, you know, experiential, like in your bones, yes, in your brain, in your yes. heart. Like it, they experience it, and then they can more easily apply it. So Bobby, if someone were watching or listening and felt like, oh, that's something I want to know more about, or I, maybe I want an imply, uh, applied improv uh, session for my company or something, how do they get in contact with you to either see a tongue and groove show or set up an applied improv consultation or something like Great. that? Great. Well, um, you can go to the website, 
so uh, Tongue and Groove has a website, tongue-groove.com. Uh, and that you can find out all about our shows. We have a show coming up in February for Valentine's Day or Valentine's Month. Uh, the show is called In Bed. Oh, I love it. And the question is, tell us something interesting that has happened to you in or around a bed. <laughs> uh, and it's so, so it's throughout the month of February, and it's for um, people who hate Valentine's Day, people who love Valentine's Day, uh, for anybody, you know, straight, coupled, uh, L LGBTQ, you know, poly, like yes, everybody, yes. because we're telling your stories. So if you are not about love, you know, come tell us a story that happened in bed that has nothing to do with love. Yes. Right. Yes, if you're into, if you're in love, come have a great time with your partner. Yeah, and you might love. come twice within the month of February and be in love at one point and oh out my God, at the other. Yes, right? You yeah. could totally. <laughs> anyway, so you find out about that at tongue-groove.com. And then if you want to learn about applied improvisation yes, and the work yep. that I do, go to bobbyblock.com, which is B-O-B-B-I-B-L-O-C-K.com. Yeah, great. And that's that information. Awesome. And I'll put links to those both in the audio notes and the, and the visual notes so Thank that people you. can find you more easily. And, you know, something that I always like to ask my guests, because this is the Transformational Storyteller podcast, and I feel like every great story has like a message or a theme or something and so if someone were to open the book of your life and 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 read it and you know and close it up again and walk away what what would a theme or an idea that you would want them to take away be well two things come to mind one is uh inspired or taken by um, a similar question that I asked uh, Dave Pasquese of TJ and Dave mm, okay. that I've told you about before. And I said, what's the one piece of advice you give to improvisers? And he said, pay attention. That's it. Yeah. Pay attention. And I think paying attention from in my life, paying attention to my friends and family, paying attention to my own needs, to their needs, paying attention to just keep your eyes and ears up allows you to be flexible and connected and in tune and all the good things. Yes. So pay attention. But that's not mine. <laughs> that's his. But you could probably, probably get that if you opened a book of mine. Um, I think it's what I said before. Instead of, I would say, it's not what should I say next, it's what did she just say. Yeah. And those are also words to live by. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you so I love the questions that you ask. They're so in tune and talk about being a great listener. It's really like <laughs> yes ending who you talk to. It's really yeah. cool. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. As always, thanks to our episode sponsors, our production team at Rebel Hill Consulting, and of course, many thanks to you, the listener. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I hope you're creating stories that empower you and inspire others.